Welcome to issue 195 of Critical Encounters, a podcast about Marvel Champions, a living card game by Fantasy Flight Games. Here we take a good look at that most critical piece of the game, the encounter sounds. We'll discuss those poorly understood characters, unfairly labeled villains, and their various plans to shape humanity and benefit the planet, as well as those so-called heroes intent on thwarting them. I'm one of your hosts, Will, a.k.a. Thunderball with the New York accent. Joining me is Daniel. Hello, Will. Welcome to the lair. Thank you, Daniel. How weird is it not doing the intro? Uh, You know, I only do it about a fourth of the time. Well, there you go. (laughs) And joining us is Steve. Hey, Will. How's it going? Doing great. Thanks for bringing me on. Yeah, so folks may recognize Will's voice, otherwise known as Funky Monkey Monk, out there on the discords. You uh, you have a, a strong affinity to Thunderball, at least version two, after the retcon and the revamp, with, you know, during the Multiverse of Madness thing. So it's uh, it's good to have you back on um, without that Thunderball thing going. So it's uh, it's good to be here, and I'm uh, hopefully nothing will uh, wrecker it. Oh, nice. <laughs> ah, nice. Well, I'm glad you're here, Will, because, you know, to pay Mike back for his his abandonment and his weird hiatus or whatever he's doing, Steve and I thought it'd be great to invite as many people as we could to hang out in his room for as long as they wanted and to mess stuff up, because he's pretty fastidious, if you know Mike. So, thanks. thanks. Maybe, maybe you can sleep over tonight, too, and, and, like, come back. Or sleep here for the week, right? Steve, we need someone next week, too, right? Yeah, next week you might as well st- yeah. stick around. Stick around. Any- anything with his name on it in the fridge, it's open, it's free. Just take yep. it. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Feel free to pull things out of the, the dresser drawers. It's fine. It's your room now, yeah. Will. Yeah. Excellent. I've already been using his toothbrush, so that works out. Good. Thank oh, you. good. Good. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, unfortunately, Mike can't be with us tonight. And I think, I think if he was here, Daniel, he would ask you a question. Would he? What would he ask me? I think he would ask what is on your mind tonight. Mm, he would. He might would do that. Um, so so we should have Will do it then. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you didn't ask me. You are retracting. I haven't asked you. I haven't asked you. I was just saying what I thought Mike would do. So maybe, oh, Will, you should do no, it. Right. Yeah. Okay. Daniel, what is yeah. on your mind tonight? Will, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> Stars. Stars are on my mind tonight. How many, Steve? How many, Will? I think it's going to be five. Five stars, because you know those are the only ones we read. All right. Here's the title of this one. This is a great title. If these guys are villains, I guess I'm bad. Mm. Nice. Well, here's what our writer has to say to us. It starts out maybe less than promising, Steve. (laughs) I'll admit, when I first started playing this game, I tried listening to this podcast and couldn't get into it. Boy, you and six million others, except for for the country of Chile. Mm. I liked the game a lot, but didn't care too much about the backstories for the villains. After playing the game for a few years now, though, I have gone deep into the Marvel Universe and come back to this show. I'm listening from the beginning, and I have to say this is the best Marvel Champions podcast out there. The hosts all genuinely seem to enjoy talking to each other and are effortlessly funny in their banter, skits, etc., it's also one of the only Marvel Champions podcasts that comes out on a regular schedule. An impressive feat for any podcaster. Listening to this podcast has just made me appreciate and love the game even more. Keep the episodes coming. 
And this comes to us from Jimmy Pops from the U.S. of the A. Thank you, Jimmy Pops. Yeah, thank you very much. That is an awesome. That's beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if we can't get them with quality, we'll get them with quantity. So we just keep putting them out there, right? There you uh, go. <laughs> Nothing's healthier than being regular, Steve. Mm-hmm. That's what my doctor tells me. That's right. Going number two can sometimes feel like you. Pinched off a porcupine, wrestled out a wrecking ball, pushed through a pineapple or two. Tried to pass an elephant, rolled out a watermelon, strained until you turned a shade of ooh. When pooping is painful, rely on doctor-recommended Colace to soften that stool and make it easier to go. For a number two, that's easy to do. Just like my decks, consistency is king. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. And I will say... Weekly, Steve, that's ambitious, and we've done it, and that's pretty good. I tried starting with that on a separate project of mine, and it's gone to maybe every other week now because it's just too hard. It's just too hard to write the script and to do all So, yeah, it's amazing what you've done for four years, Steve, because you really are the pilot. We all know that. Well, what, what it is is we have been able to commit to showing up to record, and I think yep. that's really it, uh, no matter what our wives think about it. We are here <laughs> recording. That's right. Um, and you're a good delegator. So, it probably, you know, we can spread the time across three, four people. And sucker and guests on to do all the homework. That's been fantastic. Did we, did we sucker Will in to do the homework tonight? No, I think Will might be just freeloading. Oh. Eating my stuff out of the fridge. But that reminds me, Steve, what are we doing tonight? Oh, yeah. We're going to look at... A scenario, ooh, the second scenario of the project, Wide Awake, out of the Mutant Genesis box. Mm. Yeah, so we're going to start in with some lore. We're going to look at the first set of cards, and then we'll, you know, we'll do our normal two parts, and this will be part one. It looks like the notes say I'm supposed to do it, so I am prepared. We, we don't have to watch. <laughs> so yeah. we don't have to watch TV again. That's been nope. some weird stuff on the telly. Yeah, late. yeah, not yet. Yeah. But all right, good, good, good. All right, well, I guess well, let's just get to it then, shall we? Sure, sure, sure. Okay, Project Wide Awake. I have a few quotes about Project Wide Awake I wanted to share with you guys. Okay. 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 Uh, The United States would, quote, have to work sort of the dark side. He explained that the administration would, quote, spend time in the shadows because a lot of what needs to be done will have to be done quietly without any discussions. Okay. There could be no second guessing of the United States' methods because its motives were pure. Every nation, every region now has a decision to make. Either you are with us or you are with the terrorists. Wow. All right. And another one here. Third quote. The cost of overreaction would be low, especially when contrasted with the risks of underreaction, which would be catastrophic. These are quotes about projects wide awake, you said, Steve? Uh, well, they could be, but actually they aren't. What? These are... No. Uh, these are quotes from former President George W. Bush oh. and Vice President Cheney and their administration after the 9-11 attacks aimed at the war on terror against the Islamic people. Wow. So okay. uh, hatred is nothing new. Hatred of the other is alive and well in the globe today. And look, I, I started and I want to do this bit of like, where we pretend we're doing 
we're going to talk about something and it's not really the thing we were going to talk about. So I started to do this research on the topic because I thought when I read about Project Wide Awake, it mirrors and makes comments about real world racism, bigotry and prejudices. Like that's the story that of Project Wide Awake. It's and that, and that is and the fear. intent. That is the intent of the comic story, correct? Correct. That all is right. what it's all about. So I started to look at what the metaphors of Project Wide Awake were mirroring in the real world. You know, the U.S.'s reaction to 9-11. All those quotes could have been about Project Wide Awake, but they're not, right? Uh, Hitler's rise to power in the Holocaust, the mass extermination of the Native American peoples in North America, the slave trade, the never-ending holy wars in the Middle East, right? Like, it was just too much for me to try to do this piece to kind of show what Project Wide Awake does, because right, yeah, as a symbol and a metaphor, it got heavy. Yeah, and I know we're yeah. the villains. I know we're we're the villains, and it's fun to be a Marvel villain because a Marvel villain, you know, attempts to take control of space sharks to invade the planet, <laughs> right, with some yeah. all powerful jewelry that would make Sauron jealous, right? Um, yeah, but real world villainy is another matter. So I started, and I just I can't go there. I just can't do it. So. Um, I can't pretend that it's okay to be a bigot or racist or hate any group of people. Uh, Iron Man might be a different story, but he's just one person. He's not a whole group of people. So I didn't want to go into that dark abyss. I just wanted to kind of look at the Marvel villains as presented to us. So, but I agree with your, I agree with your decision to not get too real and to not go down this place. But I also think it's equally important to talk about, you know, how comics really are, artistic reflections and commentary on real world stuff. Um, it's important to you know, forget that and to see the stories that are intended to be that way, that way. I mean, like the mutant stuff and all that we've learned about X-Men so far, like this is a big part of that, of the subtext of those stories. So Bravo, right. I applaud right. you for considering that. Yeah. Because it, that's the, that really is the comment they're making. Um, right. And they're just, Telling it, you know, with cartoons of guys who shape lasers out of their eyes. Um, let's just talk about the Marvel version of the Project Wide Awake then. And, okay. And kind of, and think, but think about those those issues as you hear this and see if you, you know, if our listeners can agree with what we've just said. So yeah, consider the parallels, folks. Right on. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So in the '60s, now in the Marvel '60s. Okay. Mm. Okay. Uh, the U.S. government discovers that Blue Marvel, who is an ally in our game, who had been hailed as a hero for for all for a whole long time, um, they discover, oh no, gasp! He's actually African American, and we can't have a hero who's black. So the government tells him, "You have to stop being a hero. Stop saving us." Even though yesterday we were applauding your efforts. Wow. Now he's not a mutant, but that fear triggers somebody named Bolivar Trask to bring up the point of these new emerging mutants that are also a threat out there, right? Uh, They're different. We can't control them. We don't know who they are. They don't look or act like us. So we need to stop them. And the government should be wide awake to the Mm. threat that mutants pose. Now, you had talked about how this is in the Marvel 60s. When were these, when was this story written? The the 60s, some, some point in the 60s. Like yeah, oh, it was. So you said it was like Marvel's Marvel sixties. You meant like Marvel comics writing. Okay, I understand. Yeah, I thought yes. it was okay because right. I'm only familiar with this story from the '90s cartoon. 
which I yeah. think starts with this scenario, doesn't it? More or less. Or you'll get to that, I'm sure. But yeah, the Marvel's cartoons does start with that. But the mutants are are born in Marvel in the '60s, right? The X Men okay. come okay. from then, okay. and like more of the you'll see more mutants in the eighties really come into their mm-hmm. own. So maybe it was written in the eighties and their flashbacks. I okay. couldn't get. Yeah. So understand. Um, I will. Sorry to bring on a heavy show here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no worries, man. I've been, uh, this was my life growing up was watching these comics and they watching these cartoons. And uh, yeah, definitely shaped a lot of the way I saw the world and the parallels as I grew up and learned about them. Honestly, these, uh, these cartoons prepared me for what I was going to see later on. Mm, well said. Okay, so uh, there's a five-year study from a federal judge and a special counsel that's appointed, and Senator Kelly that we have already talked about, mm-hmm. who, you know, he has his biases. Uh, also, there's Sebastian Shaw Industries, who has a great greed, uh, so they're pushing their agenda. And then, so what we end up with is the Sentinel Mutant Hunting Robots and the semi-illegal mandate created to just round them all up, right? Uh, We're going to go get all the mutants with our Sentinel robots. And the pressures from all these different factors causes the president at the time to create the codenamed project, Project Wide Awake, governed by a whole bunch of, you know, open-minded and kind folks out there. The best kind. The best kind. Yeah, that's that's sarcasm, if you can't tell. Okay. <laughs> um, but right. but the commission who's in charge of this can't really agree on its overall purpose. So it ends up competing among itself a little bit. And it kind of comes up with there's, – there's three avenues that it's try- different members are trying to push. So one group is saying, let's just recruit the mutants. They'll fight for America, and we can dominate the globe, and they'll be our weapons. Okay, there's another faction that's saying, let's round up all the mutants, but we'll use them like slaves as some sort of resource, right? We'll, we'll put them to work building things for us and, and doing what we want, but they will be forced against their will. And then the third group says, no, we'll just eliminate all the mutants in one big final solution and we'll be done with them. So there's parallel there. Mostly the commission ends up leaning into number two. They said, we'll round, them up, we'll round them up and we'll just put them to work the way we want. Uh, we'll also, it leans a little bit into one where, okay, we're going to use them to hunt other mutants. And there's a, a mutant, Forge, who we do have in the game. Yeah. And he's, he's like really super techno kind of guy. And he ends up making anti-mutant guns for the government to hunt other mutants with. And if you get hit with his gun, you lose your mutant powers. So he does that for a while in the Project Wide Awake is doing pretty good. Steve, how do they convince mutants to go after mutants? Like, what is the what's the carrot? It, it's greed, I think. Um, some mutants, just like some people, are just evil, and they get a pass to go cause mayhem and fight other people. But they're blind to the eventual end game that would most likely include them. Right. Uh, Forge does eventually uh, destroy his weapons that destroy other that take out other mutants and he destroys the blueprints and that gun doesn't seem to be able to get made again but he Mm -hmm. he particular does he has this little reform where he won't do that but he still works for the government Mm -hmm. rounding up mutants um mystique who you know we've talked about quite a 
quite a bit. She ends up at a certain point leading a group of mutants called the Freedom Force. And they're a government-sanctioned organization to fight other mutants. Basically, they're just the Brotherhood of Evil Mutant members who get a pardon for their previous crimes if they go do this. Right? So there's wow. some motivation. Why not ask the good mutants to round up the bad ones first? Oh, I don't, think, I don't right. understand this at all. Well, um, and then there's Sebastian Shaw, who is a mutant himself, but nobody on this commission knows it. And he's the one building the Sentinels uh, because he's making other, lots and lots of money. He works for the Hellfire Club as well. So there's clandestine motivations there. So his Sentinels go out, um, round up, or kill other mutants. The whole thing's really pretty clandestine. The, the agents, they have agents that spy on mutants, that track your privacy. They're tapping phones. They put agents spying on little kids who might be mutants. Um, there's a, a bunch, er, the early comics, when some of the comics in the 80s about this, when you read it, they have, you know, you have like two, two black suited guys that track some possible mutant kids who go to the mall and they arrest them at the mall for just being at the mall, right? Good thing this stuff only happens in fiction. Right. Fiction only. Yeah. 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 I'm not sure lo- how long the project is active. I couldn't seem to figure out when it ended, uh, but it's active okay. and it seems at least it goes through into the 90s, which is where we've got our comic books and our cartoon and, you know, all that sort of stuff. And the Sentinels exist beyond that. They, they reemerge. They go, Sentinels come up and down and there's tons of different versions and we've talked mm. about okay. Zero Tolerance and we've talked about the Sentinels in general. Um, but Project Wide Awake is this specific version of the Sentinels. So that's, uh, that's, that's where we're at with Project Wide Awake. Wow. Steve, thank you for that. That was that was awesome. That was real. Um, yeah. Yeah, Jimmy Pop's like, oh, they're humor. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Great day to read, Jimmy Pop. Um, now, I'm sure we'll, I'm sure Will and you and I will talk about this whole scenario next week. Um, but we usually talk about sort of the foundational cards in the encounter set here, right? Yeah, yeah, which is... Okay. Are we ready for that, Steve? Or is there more that you wanted to say? Or, Will, did you have any thoughts or questions about the story? So, um, I'll, uh, I'll give you a well-actually moment. Oh, um, good. Robert Kelly hmm. was introduced in Uncanny X-Men 135, which was published July 1980, according to Wikipedia. Okay. So this was incredibly timely to the events that were going on in the 80s. Um, as does much of the uh, later Civil War timeline as well. Um, Marvel, had a, Marvel had a very strong set of writers who were writing to the times that they were experiencing. Sure. Yeah, it's, it's good. It's, you know, art reflects life kind of thing. So, all right, well, let's look at the cards, shall we? Sure. All right, so this scenario comes in the Mutant Genesis campaign box. It's scenario number two. It uses a zero tolerance, and it suggests that you use the Sentinel set. 24 total cards, 9 encounter cards by title, plus the villain and main scheme. There's 4 player cards. Yuck, ugh, you get allies. Gross. Player cards? I know, they give you player cards in the scenario. Hero buys. <laughs> uh, but tonight we're just going to look at the villain and the setup cards. Okay. Alright, so let me read you about our villain in this scenario, which is just... Sentinel. Uh, I think this is probably supposed to be sort of maybe like Sentinel 1, because uh, we do not get 
and a minion card that is Sentinel 1. We get 2 through 8. Um, so Sentinel is a villain with a 2 scheme, 2 attack with the, not surprising, Sentinel trait. It has toughness. When revealed, the first player searches the encounter deck and discard pile for a copy of the Abduction Protocol's side scheme and reveals it. Shuffle. That one's just for you, Daniel. Yep. Yep. 16 <laughs> hit points per player. Oh, that's chunky. Yeah. Okay. All right, so version two is a two-scheme, three-attack, Sentinel-traded, steady, and toughness. Okay. When revealed, the first player searches the encounter deck and discard pile for a copy of Abduction Protocol side scheme and reveals it. Deal each other player a face-down encounter card. 18 hit points per player. Steve, you forgot something. Shuffle. Shuffle before you deal the face card. Oh, right. That's true. Yep. Yes. Yep. yep. Shuffle. Very first. important. And then Sentinel level three is a three scheme, three attack Sentinel trait with stalwart and toughness. When revealed, the first player searches the encounter deck and discard pile for a copy of abduction protocol side scheme and reveals it. Shuffle. Deal okay. each player a face down. Now this one is deal each player a face down encounter card, 22 hit points per player. So it definitely levels up, right? This The numbers go up. It goes, <laughs> it ends up with steady and stalwart. You always put out the side scheme. Level and, two, everybody else gets an encounter card. And level three, everybody gets an encounter card. So um, Expert is truly expert on this one. My goodness. Oof. And, and 22 health, right? I mean, these are this version is a giant robot, right? It stands taller than a building. Uh, it, it adapts to different abilities. It shoots powers and laser beams, and right. Um, yeah, it's no joke. Yeah, they're they're no joke. So I think stat wise, they seem pretty good. So yeah, I don't know how it schemes so well, but you know, robots are smart, right? So I'll say from my perspective, seeing the steady upgrade to stalwart. When I see steady, I'm already like not expecting stuns and confuses to do much. The stalwart is the nail in the coffin. Yeah, I would have liked to have seen an even stronger upgrade there. Mm. Well, that's interesting. I wonder if, like most, if if you know, lots of folks see steady and consider it stalwart essentially for what you need to be doing, right? I mean, I don't play very many decks that can double stun somebody. I don't even know that that's worth it. So that's an interesting point. Well, I like that. It it does change your tactics from level one to level three, like. If it doesn't have steady or stalwart, a good stun or confuse can definitely impact the villain. Yep. Um, yeah, adding that steady changes uh, things quite a bit, and then maybe the stalwart's not as important. So, although it's good, you know, they it, they get to activate. You cannot. It's only a handful of cards that will prevent a stalwart character from activating. Name three. Go. Webbed up. Okay. Phased. Phased and confused. Okay. Good. Good. Uh. Pheromones? Nope, that nope. puts the cards on them, right? That puts right. the cards on them, yeah. Right. Uh, Venom's uh, c- card. Ve- the Venom Hero? Yes, the Venom Hero. So he has like a webbed up version or something like that? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's two and a half. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, now, Steve, you mentioned in every one of these cards something called Abduction Protocols, but I think we should go to the main scheme first, because that Abduction Protocols isn't the main, even though you said it over and over. I agree. We should, you should read the main scheme for us, both sides. I will do so. So we've got the main scheme, Knight, 
of the Sentinels. Content, Sentinel 1 and 2, or Sentinel 2 and 3 for expert. Project Wide Awake, Zero Tolerance, and Standard Sets. One modular set, and as Steve said, it is recommended you play Sentinels. We'll talk about that at a later date, I imagine, Steve. Sure. And they all appear to be quite tall, by the way. Um, <laughs> set up. Set each captive ally aside. Reveal the Operation Zero Tolerance and Mutants at the Mall size schemes. All right, so we'll definitely be talking about those later. Mm-hmm. So then you flip it over, and Steve, this is one of those, uh, is this one of those one, one schemers? It is, right? One man scheme. It's not even a one schemer. Keep going. Yeah, it's yeah. like, you're not going to lose this way. All right, so anyway, Knight of the Sentinels 1B is the main scheme. Operation Zero Tolerance gains permanent. Hmm. Now, after threat is placed here, if there is at least five threat per player here, the first player places the top card of their deck face down under Operation Zero Tolerance, and then you remove five threat per player from the scheme. So if somehow you put 40 on in one turn, it's still only going down 20. Um, and it starts with one per player and goes up one per player each round. And it has so no maximum. No maximum. There's not like... It's not one of those scenarios where if the villain does their scheme, it's over for us. So that means there must be some other lose condition, Steve. Yeah. Well, let's talk a second. You mentioned Sentinel's scheme being kind of high. And I think that represents them searching and hunting for those mutants that are in hiding. Like, it's in the picture, right? They're, like, scanning these houses. and And that that scheme does still add to the loss condition. Mm-hmm. I see. Yeah. Uh-oh. We have Bro. a wandering toque. World. <laughs> oh, jeez. It's my uh, room now. Oh, I just popped in. I got my own room. Uh, you no. had your own room. You had, had your own room. room. I'm sorry. <laughs> we gave it to uh, Will. We gave Yeah. Hi, Mike. <laughs> How's it going, guys? Good. That was great. Did I make it in time for the obligation? <laughs> it's- it's not one of those sets. <laughs> um, Mike, I will say that you missed a great, great lore bit from Steve tonight. Oh, lovely, very real. Um, but yeah, yeah. Will Will's going to be in your room for like a week or two. Mm, okay. All right. All also, right. Also, your toothbrush bristles are a little soft. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> How's, uh, how's Spot World treating you? Oh, you know, there's so many corners to explore. It's going to be a while, guys. Okay. Understood. Right. Here, there, everywhere. I just have zero tolerance for Mike popping in like this. I know, right? Oh, well, that's like... the set we're on. Okay, <laughs> thank you. Maybe, for it. <laughs> maybe we should abduct him and uh, set up some protocols. I we think just... we should. Yeah, we can keep we him trapped. Can't touch me. I'm behind an energy barrier. Oh. Well... Will was just about to read a card. Should we let him read a card? Or do we have to humor Mike some more? Jeez. We'll humor Mike, but Will, go ahead. So this is Operation Zero Tolerance. It's a side scheme. Forced response after an enemy attacks and defeats an ally. Place that ally face down under the scheme. If there are X face down cards under this scheme, the players lose the game. X is three more than the number of players. This has three boost icons. And a threat limit of three per player. So there's our loss condition from the schemes, really. Right. There it is. And remember, this one has permanent. So. Right. 
You can ignore the three threat per player. <laughs> right. And the boost icons don't matter. Save your tokens. Yeah. Yeah. And I think my favorite part of this card specifically is that Operation Zero Tolerance, as you've already reviewed it, can fit into any villain set. I absolutely love seeing what other scenarios Operation Zero Tolerance can fit in well with. Yeah, because it, it provides you that alternate loss condition. I want to see this in Red Skull. Zero Tolerance in Red Skull would be awesome. Yeah, I think we talked about it last time too. We wished it would gain the permanent the moment you drew it, but yes, or if it did. came out as an encounter card to you. Because you're probably not going to get six allies under that card while it's out. But all this has been hashed out before, I'm sure. Yeah. So let's say we're playing a solo game here. Okay. So X on zero tolerance is three more than the number of players. So one player. So if four cards are tucked under here, this card never goes away. There's no way to get rid of them. There's no way to rescue somebody tucked under zero tolerance. If you allow in a solo game five threat to go on the main scheme, you tuck a card under Operation Zero Tolerance. So if that happens four times, you Ooh. lose. Or if you have to chump block with an ally, it goes under the scheme. Because Sentinel is a two or three attack plus a boost card, right? Um, so you could, you're trying not to lose through damage, and you're trying to not let cards get tucked under this. So a little bit like Collector. I don't think it's oppressive, though. Like, I think the Collector's better at it because he just takes everything, not just your dead allies. Yeah. I do really like that it also punishes the so-called heroes for the unheroic act of consistently chumping their allies. Mm-hmm. Like Maria Hill? <laughs> yeah. Will? Squirrel, Squirrel Girl, anyone? <laughs> you invite me on your show to talk trash on my Maria Hill addiction. <laughs> 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 I resemble that remark, sir. <laughs> oh. I don't believe I still killed her more than she's been killed canonically. So okay. I'm, <laughs> we're just trying to help you out, man. So yeah. Well, Mike, as long as you're here, we talked about this abduction protocol side scheme. Why don't you read that one for us? Abduction protocols. There are four copies of this. It is a side scheme, two threat. Kinder, two per player. Victory, two. It has a crisis icon and two boost icons. And it says, when defeated, the player who defeated the scheme takes one random set-aside captive ally and puts it into play under their control. Hey, wait, that's good. Yeah. Hero bias. Yeah. And Blade it's crisis, so you have to do it. Yeah. Oh. Well, you don't have to. You could just... Continue to let Knight of the Sentinels steal cards from the top of your deck. <laughs> Fair point. <laughs> Pro tip, heroes. Yeah, just let that happen. <laughs> Every time you reveal a new version of Sentinel villain, one of these comes out. But they also exist in the deck, so you could get them just through regular gameplay. So you could see all four of them throughout a game. I don't know that I've ever played a, a scenario of this where I didn't. Recently with Board Game Lawyer, we only had three of them appear. Mm. So Interesting, yeah. Yep. Which, yeah, right. I mean, like you're guaranteed two. Yes. Oh, I was going to say, they're also that card that when you're playing Justice and you're digging for a, uh, a side scheme to reveal, you're looking and, for abduction protocol. And that's a scenario-specific side scheme, so this is absolutely a good target for that if you're a cheaty hero. 
Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yep. I think it's too good to them. Yeah, I've averaged three of these in a game. And that's playing solo. I draw into two of them. Yeah, it makes sense because you're gonna. I mean, you're gonna get one every time you level up the the villain, and then you might just randomly get into one. So. Um, yeah, that's what it is. And we start with one and play. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. It's great. And we'll talk next week about the escaped convicts that uh, were under our control, but get away. So we'll wait. You mean we'll wait till... the heroes? Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Ca- the captives. So. There's one more side scheme that starts the game in play. I guess it's my turn. Um, mutants at the mall. And this is like classic X-Men cartoon, comic, the whole thing, right? Um, so it is a side scheme. It has four threat on it with one boost. And it says, when defeated, the first player searches the encounter deck and discard pile for a Sentinel minion and reveals it. Flip this card and put Jubilee into play, discarding any other version of Jubilee from play. It has an acceleration icon. It feels like a campaign card, but it is not a campaign card. It just is a card. So, yep. It's like a better version of Abduction Protocols for the heroes. <laughs> Well, the Sentinel minions all have, like, when revealed effects, right? So that's good. Yeah, there's that. That's true. And, you know, Jubilee is great. But, like, you never see her. Do you see her again in the campaign? I forget. Oh, yeah. It's a different card, right? It's the same card. You keep her as long as she's not defeated. Okay. But if she's Um, defeated at all, you never see her again. Yeah. Huh. Um, Do we have any other version of Jubilee? Just noting that text on the card are they are they future proofing or do we actually have another jubilee wolverine's signature ally right okay i haven't played him um but there is no jubilee hero which would be great <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. my goodness oh they have to now <laughs> yeah guys yeah you're playing jubilee you're like we can't do the mutants at the mall guys we're just gonna have to deal with the acceleration and then the justice player is like nah nah <laughs> Oh, you got to leave early? There we go. (laughs) (laughs) You'd have to time it so that you you flip it to alter ego before this goes off. Oh, maybe, yeah. Something like that. Yeah, because your name would be Jubilee. Yeah, depending on how they they name the alter ego. Yeah. Oh, too funny. (laughs) Not like the Marvel Universe has any problems with uh, multiple versions of Jubilee. Yeah. Who that is. Or, you know, death. True. True. Well, this is I, a pretty good start. These are interesting cards. Yeah, I like that it is not a straight up um, scheme is just going to take you out, right? Yep. Like you could get an advance mid game that you just lose on in other scenarios. This one, it's going to give you this interesting thing that happens and you're going to have to keep playing for it. So yeah. uh, I don't think it's so far, I don't think it's super punishing. Um, I mean, it's like the first, this card is sort of the first version of Sentinel, and the other Sentinels, you know, throughout the ages get bigger and better. So it seems on theme to me. When I when I first played through this, it gave me the 19, you know, the 1990s watching the cartoons feel. Yeah. Like, I, I looked at the art, and I remembered the hand-drawn, you know, mm-hmm. art from the, or from the video, or from the uh, TV. Yeah, I think Kayla would appreciate hearing that because 
we all know he's a huge X-Men fan, and he had to have been drawing from that. So, Plus, it's part of the comic series. It's part of the story. It's not just the cartoon from the... Right? Because it is supposed to be comics. We don't typically talk MCU and whatever, but it just has such a feel. We have to compare the two with the TV series. So Now, I will say, I just wish it could be uh, a bit more difficult, because it's hard to tweak the difficulty of this one up. You don't think Expert does it enough, Will? I don't. I'm in agreement with you. I think Master Mold does it better. Yeah. But it makes sense, right? If this, you're still at the beginning of the campaign, I, I can see how they would want to make this slightly easier. You know, lure them in. Lure them just a little bit closer. Don't worry. You can take on Magneto. <laughs> <laughs> also, three attack, three scheme, stalwart and toughness. Like, looking at Form 3, just looking at the thing or the characters they released with that set, Wolverine doesn't scare me. Or well, this doesn't scare Wolverine. And the three scheme and big sentinels coming out doesn't bother uh Gene Gray, Phoenix, very much either. So I would love us as weird as it sounds, I'd love to see a little more mutant hate in this. Yeah, well maybe the encounter cards will give that to us and we can talk about those next week. Yeah. I think we've probably talked about this and we would yeah. normally go to the outro. But we're going to take a little detour. We're going to do a little side scheme here. So How cool is it that Mike showed up for this? Mike showed up for this. Yeah, so what we want to talk about Uh-oh. is a little bit of Con of the Rings. Just a few minutes. Folks that are, aren't interested in that, you can fast forward a little bit. Uh, or just skip the end of the show. And um, I, I want to see what Mike went to Con of the Rings and Will went to Con of the Rings. So, guys, tell us about Con of the Rings. Uh, maybe tell us what it is and how much you missed that Daniel and I weren't there. <laughs> oh, it wasn't the same without you guys. Not at all. Not at all. People were just kind of like more fun. Okay. We were Got sitting it. there. Everyone was just kind of depressed. We were all like, ah, <laughs> why do we fly all the way out here? Uh, and then we all went home. This is really all. No, uh, Con of the Rings is a, uh, it's a convention from the Lord of the Rings community. There's a group down in Minneapolis that sets it up. And we go down to the, we call it the Game Center. It's the former Fantasy Flight Games Game Center, but it's now been um, privately sold. And we go in their their rooms for three days and just play Lord of the Rings. And And Mike, it it just tickles me that you say we go down to Minneapolis. Very few people in this country would say that. (laughs) (laughs) um they did have vegetables this year that was awesome oh wow yeah this is as opposed to two years ago where there was actually a lettuce shortage or that was yeah yeah, last year vegetable shortage um there wasn't any lettuce anywhere um no it was it was a blast we we played some custom quests we played some official quests with lots of fun little tweaks they did a really good job of Know, reinvigorating some of the older scenarios. It was just a blast to see all all our friends again. Uh, I think Will probably feels the same way, and uh, it was great seeing you, Will. Yeah, it was great getting to get some op- or getting an opportunity to play with all of the folks that you know. More often than not, we only meet in discords or in chats. I know, uh, Mike, you and I had played for a few years during the pandemic before I got to finally meet you. I believe it was at last year's Con of the Rings. It was the first time I met you. Yes, it was. Um, so, yeah, it's it's a great opportunity to meet those folks and see them that you'd never otherwise really get to see in person. Uh, kind of like the upcoming Con of Heroes. 
Good segue. I was going to say, Con of Heroes, sometime in May, right? 2024, I believe, is the plan. It's still on. We haven't heard any official dates yet, but it is going to happen, according to my spies. Um, same place, Game Center, right? Right there next, across the parking lot from FFG. Uh, you might get to meet a game designer or maybe some members of your favorite Marvel Champions podcast. Um, because I, I, my hope is I can go to Con of Heroes. That's my goal. Mine too. I've not been to one yet, and I really want to. And I feel like we should probably represent there. I think so. Yeah, we'll get them to rebrand it Con of Villains, and I'm there. Yeah. So yeah, I think you guys should just take it over. Like get get a new banner made and <laughs> tape it over top. <laughs> Come in with some flags. Yeah, I could do that. Let's do that. You know, last year there was uh, at least some representation of all of you as we were we were in fact playing the uh, the Perfect. critical encounter set. <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> yeah, I I yelled "damn it, Daniel!" many times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Steve made me. Steve made me a pretty tough one. Yeah, we're all oh, pretty yeah. good at that. So yeah, well, no. all right. Um, Con of Rings, if you're into Lord of the Rings, but Con of Heroes. So hopefully we see everybody there. That'd be great. Great to meet everybody. Well, Mike's being here means I don't have to do the outro anymore. No, you don't. Yeah. All right, folks. <laughs> um, I need some help. I need any suggestions you have on how to get the funk from Funky Monkey Monk out of my room. Email us <laughs> at criticalencounterspod at gmail.com. We are Critical Encounters on Facebook. You can find us on YouTube or on Patreon by searching for Critical Encounters Podcast. And on Discord, we are Vardane, Bigfoot Wolf, Wandering Tube, and joining us tonight, the lovely Funky Lucky Monkey. If you like our show, tell your friends. If you don't like our show, tell your enemies. Sentinel, take us out. Mutant detected. Initiate capture sequence.